You're listening to the cycling podcast Femina, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Well, welcome one, welcome all. It's May, it's the cycling podcast Femina. And I'm Rose Manley. I'm joined, as always, by two of the finest... They can tell you what they're the finest <laughs> at. <laughs> Orla Shenoui. Hello. <laughs> Hello. And Richard Moore. Hello. Orla, what are you the finest at? Oh, th- th- that's why I said hello su- in such an elongated way. I was thinking, oh my God, oh my God, what am I the finest at? Um, <laughs> I am the finest... Nothing. Not- There's no point in making it up. Nothing. The finest I, cycling broadcaster actually- there ba- is. What are you talking about? Average, no, a lot I-, I think you're the finest at um, picking up a, a, a stray song lyric and turning it into a song <laughs> yes. in, in, the, in the course of a, a normal conversation. I will take that. That's happened twice already in our um, pre-recording chat. I'll go with that. Richard, what are you finest at? I'd better make sure not to uh, include any song lyrics in my conversation tonight. <laughs> um, I'll be listening now. I'm the, I'm the... What am I the finest at? Can I get back to you on that at the end of the episode? It, okay. Oh, that's okay. a teaser. That yeah. to think of something. <laughs> You're going to have to stick around to find something. that out. There's got to be something. But I don't know what it is. Mm. There doesn't. There doesn't have to be. Something. <laughs> 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 we have to accept our limitations sometimes in life. I'm the finest. I'm the finest. Growing to accept. I think ourselves. I'm the finest at taking abuse on the cycling podcast. Femina. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you know you, what? That is fair game. Yep. Yep. That yep, is totally yep. true. You're actually. You are, you are very good at it. Thank you're you. very good you at could it. say we could say you are the finest on the cycling podcast male version only, but Thank you, you know we can say that. Give him a bit of praise. I mean, what are you uh, saying? He's better than Lionel and Daniel because you think they don't listen. It's not yeah. male. Yeah, it, fair I enough. Should say it, Here's I should test. say it's, Here's not, test. it's not male only. Uh, if, if by that you mean it can only be presented by men and it's only about men's racing, it's neither of those two things. I should just, I should no, just clarify it is, but it that. Is, oh. It is presented by men. So you're the, you're the, you're the, I'll tell you what, you're the finest regular of the cycling podcast regular. I'll take that. Uh, to, to be on the cycling podcast Femina. Yes. There you go. Well, let's get a round of applause. Well, I'm glad we sorted that out. Can we get on with some really exciting racing now? No, now that we've boosted everyone's yeah. confidence there. Yeah. Wonderful. Everyone's morale yeah. is at an all-time high. Well, yeah, we better get on with it, actually, because we've got a huge amount to talk about, don't we? We've got a show that is bursting at the seams with racing chat, and we're going to do something a little bit uh, unusual. I'm going to say it was Richard's idea, but I think... More accurately, maybe Richard plagiarised it from elsewhere. No, no, that's um, incorrect. <laughs> but basically, we are going to look at every uh, women's world tour team plus Jumbo Visma and give a little review of their spring classic season and hear from the riders themselves to find out how they felt that their team stacked up against the competition. Um, so we got that. We're going to listen to... We've got an interview with uh, Anna Shackley, uh, Scottish rider, which obviously Richard had to do because there's some kind of mystic Caledonian forces at work where Scots must stick to, orbit stick around together. together stick together. There, there's so few of us, yeah. that, you know. Flirty Mackay, um, Anna Shackley. Uh, that's it. You know, that's it. 
So <laughs> it's it's important that we stick together. There, there haven't been many Scots in the world tour. In fact, Anna mm. Shackley is the first uh, rider, Scottish rider, in any world tour team since da- David what, say, since David is, Miller. Is that a little loophole? Is that because you know they weren't world tour teams? Because obviously Katie Archbold was at WNT, wasn't she? Not a world and tour team. She was team. during the. Not a world tour team. Okay. Yeah, but was it not because it wasn't a world tour? They didn't. Classify she also wrote for Wiggle, who, who may well have been a world tour team had the world tour existed. But I'm talking men or women. So you've talked yourself out of the fact already. I'm talking, and basically I'm talking you just men find a convoluted way to women. get a Scott on. Well, men, yeah. men would struggle to get on a wo- women's world tour team. Yeah. Anna Shackley may or may not uh, be a Scottish and on a world tour team. <laughs> but she's on the podcast and that's historic enough. Yes. So that will do. So, But it's, you know, don't be put off by all of that um, random chat. It is actually very worth uh, listening to. It's very good. And then, of course, we're going to round it off with our question and feminances, which is... Uh, Rihanna with Rihanna Marcus, the Yumbo Visma rider, and that's a real trip. And it does make me because I have listened to it, and it does make me glad we didn't call it two minutes with, because Rihanna has quite a lot to say, but it's all good. So that is all coming up. But before all that, of course, it's going to be probably a bit of a bumper news roundup, is it, Orla? It's a bit ginormous. So, partly, but not just the the um, number of races that we've had, but the the quality. I've been absolutely blown away by the racing the last couple of weeks it's just been phenomenal so i would like to invite a little bit of freeform jazz jazzification of um, this news roundup thank you very much um because i think it's worth chatting about these races they're worth they're worth talking about they're some of the best races that we've seen in in recent years really um and i've just absolutely loved it uh so shall i get cracking and will you, will yeah, you both, get on. Will you both promise to jump in as and when, just if nothing else to stop me rambling on. Um, we will pounce. My husband's just trying to do that. That's him calling. Hang on. <laughs> well, I'll call you back in the middle of the podcast. Okay, ciao, ciao. Uh, right, let's crack on. Efficiently up. dealt with. <laughs> Listen, when you've been together as long as we have, you learn to be efficient. Romance goes out the window. It's just brutal, <laughs> direct communication. Um, right, anyway, there's nothing brutal or direct about this news roundup. It's going to be a wonderful meandering through the most beautiful mm. racing that we can imagine. And it all begins with the first ever women's Schelderpreis um, and a first win of the year for Lorena Vibis, Vibis rather, of mm. DSM. Um, a canny win it was as well, latching onto the wheel of Sarah Roy at 250 metres to go with Emma Norsgaard in second and Elisa Balsamo taking third. Now, we had the most dramatic of finishes at Brabant's Appeal. If you haven't watched this back yet, please do. Damie Vollering celebrated uh, her first win in two years and a first for SD Verks. She'd practically uh, necked the entire champagne bottle already when the commissaire made her spit it back up again, hand the bottle to Ruth Winder uh, because we had the closest of photo finishes and the first of our recent great debates about exactly where the finish line camera is positioned. The American champion Winder took her first win of the year for Trek Segafredo with Vollering in second and Elisa Balsamo again finishing in third. Wasn't that quite the finish? Mm, incredible. And as you say, that 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 was just a thing that ran and ran, all of these very close 
photo finishes. Wasn't it it's funny? Just that, yeah. Like London so odd, buses. The, the spate of them. Um, but, anyway, on to Arden Week. Uh, do we? Do you guys call it Arden or Ardennes? For some reason, Ardennes bothers I call, me. I call it Arden. Arden. Yeah, I hear lots. Is of, that wrong or right? I hear a lot of Ardennes recently. Anyway, we'll go with Arden. Are you going to include the Amstel Gold Race in the Arden Week? Oh yes, I am. Oh, is this yes, another well, question? I'm not, you know, not far be it from me to be pedantic about this, but some people will uh, point out that the Amstel Gold Race doesn't happen in the Arden. Yeah, they might, but it is still traditionally known as part of the Arden Week, and we're all about tradition on the podcast, so I'm going to go with it. Uh, anyway, um, on to Arden Week, Amstel Gold, not first in the Arden. of the trio as ever. Um, and it was the first Amstel, wasn't it, since 2019 because of COVID last year. I mean, not the first Amstel. I'm sure there were plenty drunk during lockdown, but the first race um, since 2019. And the only Dutch race, as you say, Richard, of the week had three steps of the podium painted in red, white and blue of the Dutch flag with Marianne Vos on the top step, Demi Vollering on the second and Annemiek van Vluten in third. It was... A thrilling finish and one mm. that I personally would be livid about if I was Cassie Neviodoma. Um, she yes. and Elisa Longoborghini had the jump heading into the finish. They could have stayed away, should have stayed away, but maybe they were going so fast that Longoborghini couldn't hear the screams of Cassie Neviodoma beside her, yelling at her to get her head down and fight for the line because they were both caught and it was up to the elite bunch behind to fight it out. Now, when I first watched that live, my instinct was to get annoyed as a as a fan of dramatic <laughs> racing at Longoborghini for not doing the work. However, is there an argument that Cassia Nevia Doma, given the aggression that she has in her legs, what is what is to stop her from having gone on anyway? Yes, it's easier for the yes. two of them to make it to the line. But my annoyance at first at Longoborghini then then changed slightly. I thought, well, why, why in this situation do both riders always sit up? Yeah, I didn't. I don't know why Kasia didn't just go on because that's the best. That was the only chance mm. that her or her team. I mean, I can't understand why Longo Borghini didn't go for it either, really, because there wasn't a Trek rider behind. So, I just thought it, this is this is if you were trying to map out how do we want this race to look, you would say to Kasia, Kasia would be like, "I want to be get to the top of the Kalberg and I want to have some kind of decent advantage mm. over." everyone else and then I'm just gonna go for it and that would be a perfect scenario and they had that and then I just can't I, I really can't fathom it to I, be honest. D- I don't get it and, and I'd love to speak to a writer about this because because we've said it before but you either then fight it out between you the two of you for the top step of the podium or you know you're going to get beaten you know, and for Longoborghini to set up and then finish in eighth, what's the point? It, it, or, or maybe there is no point between eighth and second if you're someone like Longoborghini. I don't know. I mean, it really it's strange. odd, isn't it? It's the second time Longoborghini has indulged mm. in quite strange tactics. She did it at Tour Flanders as well, where she sat on that group and she doesn't have a great sprint, does she? And that's been her mm. downfall in a lot of races that she has worked. And I pointed this out after Strada Bianca, where. Um, she was in that, she was away with Chantal Black, who sat on her, mm-hmm. uh, Chantal, Chantal Vandenbroek Black, I should say, who sat on her and then jumped her going up the, the hill into Siena, won the race. And Longoborghini's mm-hmm. often found herself in that kind of situation. And she seems to have gone the other way uh, more recently, where mm-hmm. she's a kind of um, 
an anchor on these, uh, well, on, on the break in, in Flanders and then on this little escape in uh, in the Amstel Gold Race. And it was it was curious. Um, you don't know what the relationship is between her and Cash and Evidoma or the two mm, teams. You can guess it at night, Well, you? yeah, you don't, you don't know what else is, <laughs> yeah. is feeding into that, really. Yeah. Um, I don't know, uh, but it, it was quite it was quite curious to see because that looked like her best chance of at least finishing second. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I should say Nevia Doma finished tenth in the end on that, which is just not trading second for tenth. No. Doesn't to me doesn't make sense. But or indeed first as as it would have likely have been. Oh but, yeah. But yeah, I just yeah. I do, in that situation for Nevia Doma, I just don't understand why you wouldn't just give it a crack because if you wait for the others to come by, you've you've lost anyway. So it's your only chance. Just just mm. have another go yourself. Anyway, anyway, um, what do we know? On to Flesh Wallon and the history books. We'll make it read as though this was something of an inevitable procession. Anna van der Breve with her seventh win in a row with Cassia Neviadoma finishing in second and Elisa Longo-Borghini in third. But really, I loved this finale as well. It was it was phenomenal. Neviadoma gave it her everything. And even the fight to the bottom of the climb was thrilling. The peloton all working mm. to bring back uh, Ruth Winder. But really, Anna van der Brecha was like the Terminator, the Anna van der Brechenator, <laughs> as I've now re-nicknamed her very catchily. From the bottom of the climb... From I, Anna van Ring Squirrel to... Anna van der Brechenator. Anna- She's a lucky old... I don't think she listens to the podcast, Um she probably won't after knowing all these nicknames. Yes, um, exactly. But I was watching back that final climb because whenever I whenever I watched it live, I just I find it remarkable that she didn't get out of her seat once. So I watched it back again. From the bottom of the climb, she didn't, li- at least not that we saw on television, she didn't lift her head once. She looked over her shoulder once at the bottom, but never ahead. Um, Cassie and Evie Doma on her shoulder with 300 metres to go. She still didn't look up, still didn't look around. Elisa Longo-Borghini had been out of the saddle. Nevia Doma out of the saddle. She didn't get up uh, on her pedals until 150 metres to go. Still didn't lift her head. Took one glance behind her at about 50 metres to go to make sure that she had the win. It, I mean, it was just brutal. It was, it, it was assassinistic. Which is that a word? Words. I mean, it is. Rose, it is, it is, you, it is not. Assassinistic is a good one. You said on should our be. little WhatsApp group um, that you know the, the, one of the problems with with Anna van der Breggen on the Moor de Huy is it she makes it look easy, and it's not supposed to be easy. So it's very hard to relate to. Um, I don't think so. Richard has dobbed me I in. Find, right there. I, okay, her her. Perf- I mean, her. I, I was. I was. Yeah. N- <laughs> no, 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 no. Is I totally a, is stand a by contrast it. to that. She she really went, um, you know, shoulder to shoulder with her, and it was it was like she was trying to play a game of of bluff, you know, um, and mm. uh, you know there was like they were both standing in the middle of the road. Whoever gets out of the way first, it, she was she was kind of trying to. Um, uh, play a bit of a mind game with her there, I think, mm. and and that was obviously it, it's impossible to do with Anna van der Breggen on the Moor de Huy. Her mm. performance when winning Flash alone uh, for seven years it, it leaves me pretty cold. Um, however, her performance a few days later at Liège Bastogne Liège was the opposite. Uh, you know, I I I I I was out of my seat. I was on the edge of my seat watching that, applauding it, um, finding everything that's brilliant about bike racing. Whereas her win at Flesh Alone really didn't 
it, it did leave me a bit cold because it, it just, I don't know, it's just, it's metronomic. It's not exciting. I do, I, we've had this, we had this conversation during an We've had it for seven years. We've had it for seven years. We have. We have. And I have to say, that's the first time I've ever actually said that you were excited by watching Anna van der Brecht race. It's, you, you, I know you you find her... But she didn't win. She didn't win. She didn't win, win. yeah. 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 Um, I just, I have, I don't know if I have to disagree because I'm just contrary. Um, but I, I find it really, like, meditatively beautiful to watch her on that final climb. And probably partly because of the contrast to everyone around her. And mm. she might have made that look easy if she was riding that by herself. She wasn't. She was she was like a puppet master dangling everyone around her who were dancing up and down in their pedals and in and out of their saddle. While, while she, she was, she was like a Terminator. She was like an assassin. She, it was just the, almost... It wasn't coldness, but it was just a self-assurance, this knowledge that she could do it. And I find that really profound to watch, even as you're watching it doubting, as Cassie and Nevia Dome is coming past her and, and history could have been written an entirely different way and it would have been entirely plausible that Nevia Dome had gone on to win that. You could, you could sense through the television and the thousands of kilometres of distance from wherever you were that Anna van der Breche knew knew that she was going to win that and that is that is the power of obviously all of her experience but also that belief I find it really powerful and I goosebumps watching it and I still do when I watch it back I think that that's probably the key thing though isn't it it's whether you like kind of appreciate I mean obviously it's totally impressive totally awe-inspiring um you know regardless on on you know whether you think Anna van der Breggen's style is is exciting to watch or not but I think it's that thing is that I think we love cycling because it is so uncontrollable and Anna van der Breggen makes it look so controlled, even though it totally, absolutely isn't. And for her to come to the finish line looking so controlled, I mean, she has totally beat the odds in terms of mechanicals and luck and tactics. And she's done so much to overcome, to look so controlled. But I think it's probably that that thing of whether it makes get your heart racing that she makes it look like it's almost uh, a certainty from the very from the start line almost mm. and you say the things she's overcome she's also overcome every single rider on every other single oh, team yeah. and every DS trying to beat Anna van der Breche in that race not yeah. just trying to beat SD Works not trying to beat each other trying to beat her and I think I think that's phenomenal. Anyway, we'll move on because Richard's mentioned it already. Liège, Baston, Liège, another just beautiful day of racing. Um, Jamie Vollering <laughs> finally got her win with Anna Van, um, Annemiek van Vleuten in second and Elisa Longo-Borghini in third. And it was just another brilliant race. Um, what I Part of what I really liked about this race was it's almost like lockdown racing where everything is really compressed. And I feel like with the Arden week, which is why we include Amstel Gold, really, apart from anything else, because it, it's mm. part of that holy trilogy um, you get this ebb and flow of the week and you look at Ashley Milman Passio crashing at Flesh Wallon coming back to push from the front here and then acting like a big old parachute behind to hold back Mariana Voss and um, Cecily Utrup Ludwig Utrup Ludwig's fight after being disappointed with her eighth finish a few days before it's like a Brazilian novella with all of the drama and narrative Ooh. played out in the road I, it was it, a beautiful race for me beautiful and and Demi Vollering so deserved 
deserving of that win, wasn't she? What a yeah, season she's 100%. had. Yeah, 100%. Actually, Ash Moomin Passio was worth a mention that Amsel Goldrace as well. She did a phenomenal mm. right there to bring back uh, Nividoma and Longo Borghini. And I thought, you know, the way that SD Works are sharing the wins around, I thought she might she might be up there at Flesh alone. She was kind of caught out of position. Liege Pass on Liege, though, I think it was the race of the year for me. It was mm. wonderful. And, and I said this in the regular podcast as well, that for anybody a coach or an aspiring young cyclist if they want to understand cycling as a team sport and understand mm-hmm. how team tactics work just watch that race it's amazing the 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 the, the plan the SC Works clearly had to send different riders up the road at different points of the race the way they controlled it we'll hear later on from Anna Shackley about how in certain races they've they've missed breakaways and they've obviously that's been a big part of the debrief clearly this one they got absolutely they they played it absolutely perfectly and, and Anna van der Breggen's ride to set it up for she led her out for ten kilometers. I mean, mm. it was unbelievable. But yeah, but it was yeah. it was masterful. It was it was great to watch. It wasn't boring at all because what she was trying to do, you knew what she was trying to do. You knew it was really, really gonna be really hard to do. Also Demi Vollering, you know, she's still a young rider, she's gone really close to a big win. Um uh, you know, I thought she had it. Uh, Brabantse Pale then then had it taken away from her, if, if you like. So there was a lot of pressure on her as well to have the world champion, the Olympic champion, lead you out for ten kilometers and then have to finish it off. Uh, I was just thinking, there's a lot of pressure on her here to do that. It was a phenomenal ride by Van der Breggen and an amazing, uh, amazingly cool finish from from uh, Vollering in the end. Um, a brilliant, a brilliant race to watch and a brilliant race for anybody you know, who wants to understand cycling tactics to watch, I think. And it wasn't just SD Works. I think it was the whole racing dynamic, you know, and, and how it sort of turned the normal narrative on its head. Because if you look at the moment, I can't even remember how far from the finish it was, but when Marianne Voss and Cecily Utrecht Ludwig started to be distanced, um, you know, and that was down to the, the really brutally hard work of SD Works more than anything. Um, but the normal run of things would dictate that that's it, they're dropped. But the fact and you that never they, see again. and you never yeah. see them again, the fact that they both were able to work together to get back on that grip, and then and then Milman Passio was dragging them back, but yet they wouldn't be dropped. I thought even that in itself was just beautiful, and and they mo- they must both have known that the chances of either of them surviving this relentless onslaught of the juggernaut of SC Works was was minimal, and yet they kept fighting together. It was it was a beautiful race for so many reasons. It was great to see that kind of feel like you're seeing all the calculations being made out on the road. And, you know, okay, where is Voss? Okay, so if Voss is with us, then that's a problem if it's a sprint and it will be a sprint because we can't seem to not drop everybody. And so we need to get rid of Voss. And if we get rid of Voss, then who have we got? It's kind of getting to see all of those processes in real time and seeing the riders having to do that kind of almost like maths to try and work out what is the probability of winning if we have this group and what's the probability of winning if we keep this person and this person still so so great to watch I think that's the key because so much of bike racing is is so mystical almost and so confusing Mm. and the um, tactics and the politics can be really hidden amongst different bunches and different groups and and it's only really communicated through spoken word 
you know, amongst the people who are racing it and directing it from the cars. This one, the tactics were writ large everywhere. You could see what was going on. You could see what everyone was trying to do. And it just made it all the more thrilling because of it, I thought. Um, anyway, we do have one final race to update on, and that was Elsie Jacobs. And the time trial prologue was taken by Lorena Vibis with Emma Norsgaard taking stage one for her first win of the year, stage two as well, and the overall. And after five second places for her this season, count them up. We had Omelopet Newsblad, Lusamine Didam, De Panis, Helda Price, and she was runner up on a stage of the Healthy Aging Tour. Finally, a win for her and a brilliant Movistar performance there as well. Um, second place at Elsie Jacobs went to Leah Kirchman and third to Maria Con. Falionere. That's your news roundup. Whew. Still guessing on fueling? Not sure what or when to eat or drink on rides that matter? Never again. Optimize your fueling strategy with real time glucose data, actionable insights, and personalized analytics. We're here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. Thank you very much indeed to our new headline sponsor, Super Sapiens, now supporting the cycling podcast across all our different shows. Very, very grateful to them for their support and uh, looking forward to a partnership with Super Sapiens. If you don't know what Super Sapiens is, it's the world's first real-time glucose monitoring for sports performance, um, giving you insights into your fueling so you can make the right choices to help you achieve your goals. It's being used by Jumbo Visma, Ineos Grenadiers and Canyon SRAM, also Anna van der Breggen, among many other athletes. Um, it's a very exciting product and it's very exciting for us to be partnering with Super Sapiens. We're going to learn all about them Um in particular over the the course of the Giro d'Italia, which starts on Saturday, um, but beyond that as well. Uh, well, But we'll hear at the Giro a lot from Phil Sutherland, who's the driving force behind Super Sapiens, also the driving force behind Team Novo Nordisk, the professional team made up entirely of diabetic riders. Phil was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at seven months, and yet he became a very good cyclist, an elite cyclist, and... Super Sapiens represents a convergence of a lifetime for him of being diabetic and constantly monitoring his glucose levels just to stay alive and also his life as an elite athlete. So as I say, we'll be learning a lot more about Super Sapiens over the coming weeks and months. And uh, thanks very much to them for coming on board as our title sponsor. A big thank you to Super Sapiens. We'll all be wearing our Super Sapiens devices, won't we? As soon as we get them, they're en route. We are looking forward to it. Indeed. Yeah, we'll be properly uh, fueled and ready to go the <clears throat> next time we meet to record the podcast. <laughs> Unlike this flagging performance. <laughs> Speak oh, for no. yourself. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> just for myself. <laughs> Maybe that's what I'm the finest in the world at, flagging. <laughs> uh, oh, anyway, oh. anyway we've, got, we've, got, we've got something exciting coming up, haven't we, Rose? We do, Richard. And it's nice that you called it exciting because it's your idea. So very, very well teed up. Yeah, we're going to be taking a little look at um, the Spring Classic. So what we're classing in that is the is 14 races, which is eight World Tour races, plus Omloop, La Samin, Nocaracursa, Dwarz Dorvlander and Shelda Price and Brabant's Appeal. Flemish people, please don't send me a message after having to do all, all of that. Um, and we basically, Richard has come up with a little ranking system where we've 
looked at, I should say actually it's the world tour teams of which there are nine plus Jumbo Visma and we're going to look at each one and you've done, you're going to have to well, take it. It's yeah, um, I mean, garbling because it's like the Matrix. It's Denisa, so which complicated. You're going to have to explain. Um, this was inspired by Neil Rogers, an uh, American colleague of ours. On Twitter, he posted a sort of table just ranking the individual riders after the spring classics, including a lot of, you know, these one day races, not all of them. And I was quite interested by that. And I thought, how could you apply that to the teams? And I think we've spoken a lot, haven't we, about how competitive uh, the racing has been this year and how evenly matched the teams have, have seemed, albeit perhaps one or two uh, doing slightly better. So I was just keen to see how they matched up if you actually just took their performances. And I've, I've only counted podium results and I've awarded uh, points of three, two and one for first, second and third or six, four and two for first, second, and third for world tour events, women's world tour events. So, um, yeah, quite a lot of races in there. Um, and, you know, one thing that was apparent from Neil's ranking of individual riders was how many riders there were um, who'd scored points. And it's kind of the same with the teams, but there's a bit more of a, of a pattern there. You can see once you look at all the results together. So, yeah, we've got a, um, a top 10, haven't we? From And I think we're going to go from 10 to 1. Who's the top team of the spring classes? So, Rose, are you going to be our Fern Cotton? Kind of stand from the top ten. That's a very, that's a very yeah, UK that is, top but actually, I have been told that I sound like Fern Cotton in the past. Oh, there you go. So for this section, we're really excited to announce um, that Rose has just got popped to the loo. Uh, but in her place, we have none other than former Top of the Pops presenter, Fern Cotton. Fern, welcome. Hello. Lovely. Take it away, Fern. <laughs> Hi everyone, it's, I've, I've been a long-term fan of the show, of course, so I'm really delighted to get to present, to kick off the top 10 countdown of the Spring Classics teams. Cue the music. I really, I really hope there is music. <laughs> okay. And in at number 10, Ale BTC Ljubljana. With zero points, nil point. Oh, we're getting, I'm changing into Eurovision. With zero points, let's hear from Marlon Reusser to give her assessment of how they got on. Ale BTC Ljubljana was unlucky with a series of injuries and problems related to COVID-19. So the team wasn't able to be at its best physical condition and express itself at their best, at its best. Still, we managed to get some really good top 10 results in the biggest races, which is, considering this uh, mentioned problems, really, really decent uh, spring classic season, which makes me happy. So for me, the mark out of 10 would be six. And in nine, we've got FTG, um, and they have ended the spring classics campaign with just two points. Let's hear from Brody Chapman. My team's classics campaign as uh, nailing the process. I, unfortunately, you know, bike racing is about winning the race at the end of the day, and we didn't do that. Um, but we did improve the process dramatically each time. Um, we got much better at communicating and knowing each other's strengths and weaknesses, um, at actually sticking to the plan, and also just taking risks and having fun. So all of those goals combined... Uh, we feel more confident going in to set up the win than we have this time around. But, 
Yeah, I think uh, unless you do win the race, it's pretty hard to say it was 100% success because that's what we are there for. Um, but yeah, we we feel very satisfied with each other each other as a team, and it kind of gives you a bit more um, enthusiasm to keep racing and keep trying each time. A mark out of ten, I would go with a seven point eight. A non-mover at number eight, it's Team DSM with three points. Here's Florida Mackay. Of course, we we always hope for more. Um, but yeah, we had a win with Lorena in the first women's edition of the Schelder Prize, and this was uh, great teamwork. Um, and uh, yeah, what I said, like, of course we hope for more, and we want to be a lot more there in in the finals of the of the spring. But like every race, we fight again, and um, the spirit was always there. Um, but not always the luck. Uh, well, what I say, like with the win of Lorena, we. We will really want to go more. And if we continue like this, um, this season, for sure, there is more coming. And moving up into number seven, it's Live Racing with seven points. Let's hear from Valerie DeMay. I would give an eight. Uh, first of all, because I don't really like to give low points because every rider did his absolute best and gave everything during those races. Also, because we are a very young team and we raced a lot with open minds trying to attack. In the Flemish Classics, we had some very nice results with Lotte Kopecki, who was the leader of our team during those races. And she actually finished a lot in the top 10 and even uh, in the top 5. And she also grabbed the win in Le Samain, which was very nice. In the Ardennes, we raced a little bit different, a little bit more open-minded, which resulted in some nice places for Soraya Paladin, who was our leader in those races. But here we just missed out like a real top result. But nevertheless, we showed a fighting spirit. And even that deserves some points, I think. Also, last weekend, we finished strong in Elsie Jacobs with some good results in uh, the stages. Like in the last stage, Sofia became third. So that was really nice to finish off the Spring Classics. So that's why I give an 8 out of 10 for my team. And in 6, we've got Canyon Sram with 8 points. Let's hear from Elise Shabby. So I think um, we started um, not in a really amazing way, but we learned over the different races how to race all together and we really developed in a nice way as a team. And um, I think we only like progressed during these races. And uh, at the end, we have some really nice results. Like I think over the 11 races that we did, we have like ninth top 10 so that's quite amazing and like also we have one um, one podium on um, on flash and also because i was fourth in Liège, so i think like the results um were really there at the end and i think that's also because with the team we gained a lot of confidence um and yeah i think we really raced a as a nice group and we really helped each other and at the end Kasia brought the results so I think uh, it's it's really nice and it's uh, it's really encouraging for the future also. Uh, okay so for the team I would say maybe eight because I think we started uh, like 
bit. Maybe we started six, but we improved and now we eight and I think we can reach ten because we can win a race soon. In fifth place, we have Team Bike Exchange with ten points. Here's Georgia Williams. I think our Spring Classic season was very up and down. We had some good results with Grace Brown winning Depana and third in Flanders. The downs were a bit of bad luck with punctures and illness, followed with some close top tens in a fourth place. I would rate our Classics campaign a 7 out of 10. We rode really well together and improved every race, but unfortunately our results didn't quite reflect that. And a new entry at number four, it's Jumbo Visma with 16 points. Let's hear from their team manager, Ezra Trump. Our spring campaign, well, yeah, it was also the start of this new team. So usually it's already a super exciting period because of the most beautiful races of the season. But now it was um, yeah, especially uh, exciting because yeah, we were starting this new team. Um, we've seen each other in Alicante and we had a really good training camp over there. And we, we showed uh, already our team spirit over there, but it's always difficult to produce that also in the races. I think we managed to do it really well and we saw the steps every race and um, yeah, we, we worked super well from the start of the season and it makes me really proud. Um, every race the riders improved and when our goals came into sight, um, the team worked super well together and the train really started rolling. So um, yeah, that makes me proud um, to see um, every every rider, every staff member become uh, better every day. Um, we shared a lot of experience together and the learnings of each race that, that passed um, could came into force already in the next race. And yeah, we saw a lot of big steps and improvements from yeah both our youngsters, for example, Carline Swinkels or Anna Henderson, who did super well. Um, but also the experienced riders, um, yeah, um, improved uh, a lot. And um, yeah, this is why we, we won uh, a few races and also had a, a good amount of um, yeah, podium spots. So um, I give um, this new team and our spring campaign um, an 8 out of 10, um, especially because of the big steps the riders made and also the staff. Um, so this gives me a lot of confidence for the rest of the season. We're getting to the higher reaches of the chart now in the top three on the podium, Trek Segafredo. Let's hear from French road race champion Audrey cordon Rigaud. Uh, so if I have to give a mark about uh, Trek uh, Segafredo performance on the classics, I would give, um, I think, a seven. Um, I think we've been doing great with, uh, first of all, a, a beautiful uh, victory in Binda with uh, Elisa Longoborghini. I think it was a really, really team uh, victory with a really nice plan that we could uh, execute uh, really well. So we were really happy with that. And looking at the Flandrian Classics, for sure, we've been uh, racing aggressive and, uh, and good, I think. Again, we didn't get all the time the results we should have got, but uh, we we gave 100% of ourselves and we were committed to to perform there. Then on the Ardennes Classics, uh, we've been uh, doing even better with uh, really good results from uh, Elisa. 
and again aggressive races with uh, with Roos uh, on flesh and uh, Lucinda on Liège and really the girls were committed to to race aggressively and to try to to have a hard race to um, to launch Elisa uh, at the top so I think we we had some great results there with Elisa on the podiums and yeah we've been quite unlucky with some riders also sick so with all that I think we've been doing great um, so yeah uh, we just miss as well Roubaix who would have been I think a race we could have had good performances but uh, still waiting for it in October so who will be number one? Well, just one spot off is Movistar, 23 points. Here's Leah Thomas. Yeah, I, I think we've had a lot of success this year, this spring. What's been really interesting about it is obviously there were a bunch of new riders on the team this year. And um, I feel like what you could see with each race we raced better together and um i think a lot of that is attributed to you know for example if I, I took my story last year and the year before we always had to my team had to race aggressively to try to get that top result we didn't have that top rider um vying for the win at the end of the race and so we had to use our numbers to to try to influence the outcome and and this year obviously with anamique um, movistar has that top rider and so my job has become doing my best to set Anamika up to um, be able to be the most successful that she can be. Um, and that has been a learning curve in itself. Um, it's a whole different job. And I think you can see that progression throughout the races, both in my individual performance and as a team. I would give us a seven and a half or an eight. I think that we raced really well. We obviously got a lot of podiums, both with Anamique and with Emma. Um, and I think uh, it'll come down with experience and and more direction to really get that top win. And um, it's been a hard spring. Uh, there are a lot of strong teams this year. SD Works, Trek, and Canyon have all been racing really, really well. And um, Really, it's a testament to how much the women's peloton has grown, and it's really exciting to be a part of that it's so much harder to get those wins, um, but that's something we'll continue striving to, to achieve. And it's a non-mover for about the last seven years. In at number one, it is SD Works with a whopping 32 points. Well, let's hear from... Anna Shackley. Obviously, we've got a lot of new riders. We raced really well as a team, seeing most of the time our team was... We'd never ridden together in a race. So I think we did pull it through. There were some mistakes, like missing breaks in Flesh and Amstel, but they showed in Liège they managed to pull it off. A marker at 10. Oh, yeah, I think I'd give them a solid 8. I think we've done quite well. The cycling podcast Femina is supported by Science in Sport. Science in Sport, fueled by science. Well, thank you very much to our long-time sponsors, Science in Sport. And if you want to get 25% off of your Science in Sport products, then just go to scienceinsport.com 
and type in the code. Richard, do you know it? Do you know the tune, Richard? Oh, um, sing it this I could, time. I could channel Daniel here and uh, say that I can't remember. S I S C P twenty five. Orla, you don't want I me do to sing want it. Come on, we it. do. We've been, we've been auditioning for this for how long now? Nobody wants. Just give it a wee sort of whispery Marilyn Monroe under your breath. Interview with a Scottish rider. We've got an interview with a Scottish rider coming up. We don't want people turning off before that. Come on, Richard. Just nice and gently. CP25. Come on. CP25. Oh, that's. You gotta use your. It's like what you say to, like what you say to toddlers when you should say, "Use your strong voice, Richard. Try and use your strong voice." He he almost moved his lips there. There was there was a faint whisper of something. Got got to save my voice for the Giro. Yeah, yeah. Well, you you can sing it there. There's a good chance that you might have missed that. So that was go to scienceinsport.com and. Uh, the discount code is SISCP25. It's actually happy anniversary as well, Science and Sport, because oh. they started sponsoring us at the 2016 Giro d'Italia. I mean, that deserved a song. So happy anniversary. Else. Happy yes, birthday. That's a happy yeah. birthday. We'll sing that at the okay, end of the episode enough, then. Enough. I'm sure you'll sing it loud and That's proud. when we're going to find out what you're... F- also, that's when we're finding out what Richard is finest at. So maybe well, he is finest at singing. that's when we find out what I'm not finest at. <laughs> like another thing. Oh, I've still got to think of something, haven't I? Cryptic Criterium! Okay, so this is going to be very relevant to all of the rankings we've been doing, the successes of the Spring Classics. It will be a name that will surely come up uh, in our discussions about the Spring Classics. So here it is. It's on one all, isn't it? One to Richard, one to Orla. Okay. This offers security from Scandinavian myths. Norsgaard. I'm a Norsgaard. Bugger. Oh. Very good. Well, congrats, very good, Richard. Very good through gritted teeth. It's 2-1 to Richard in the cryptic criterion, which is amazing because all of you, you were just flying away in the Christmas know, special office. Clearly it's the wrong time of year well, for me. Well, congrats, Richard. Yeah. Are you going to take us through your thinking? That was just so precise. Just, well, it was, it was a very precise clue. I it mean, was. It well, was, thank you. It was not that cryptic in oh, a way. Shut up. Nobody, um, loves it. Nobody likes a smug. <laughs> I think we found. Maybe it was we just found easy, what I'm finest Rose, in the world at. Say, maybe you are. You're finest so far on the cycling podcast, Femina, at Cryptic Criterium. There you go. That's it. That's it. <laughs> there you are. There's something. Well, I mean, uh, Emma Norsgaard really did amazingly well for Movistar. You know, Movistar was second in our in our rankings. And that is due a lot to all of the podiums that you've already listed, Orla, um, that she got. But, you know, what else um, took our fancy, impressed us, disappointed us? Well, Movistar being second in that table, I think that's probably the big surprise, isn't it? Uh, On the one hand, it isn't because they signed Annemiek van Vluten, but their strength has has not just been about her. In fact, if anything, she's been ever so slightly below her previous level and yet there they are up there and there was a lovely uh, clip posted on social media of the the men's team at Tour de Romandie watching the finish of Elsie Jacobs and uh, Emma Norsgaard winning there her brother of course Matthias is on Movistar as well there's a real sense of that team that you know I had the sense that Tour fans as well when Annemiek van Vluten won that that you know 
it's a team that hasn't maybe it's not done so well in these types of races in the past the men's team that is and so they are getting an awful lot out of their women's team at the moment and um and that's great and Emma Norsgaard you know she's 21 she she she's she's a real talent isn't she 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 really has uh, been knocking on the door all year of a big win and I thought the way she rode that final stage at LC Jacobs was very impressive indeed because she did have some team support but she was getting attacked left right and center and she was able to um to to mark all the important moves and then still win the sprint very very convincingly at the end so she's been one of the stars of the year I mean Lorena Vibus um has been that rider hasn't she the last couple of years and um in the the clips there we heard Flirty Mackay talk about the I know that I'm saying her name in an exaggeratedly <laughs> Scottish way, by the way. Um, but Never. but but she talked about bad luck, and they have had a poor season, but they've also had some bad luck. And she, and and Lorena Vibus has had some terrible luck. She had a couple of really bad crashes, including Elsie Jacobs, where she still got to the front and did a great job for her team. So she's you know she's a huge talent too. She could be. Um, up there in these races but she's had some some abysmal luck this year I think Trek have been interesting so far this year they were the number one team last year um, going by our point system they're third uh, with 18 points to Movistar's 23 and SD Works is 32 um, it could so easily be quite different with Trek I feel Elisa Longo-Borghini has been right up there so many times we've talked about um, her tactics I guess um, where she's thrown away podiums, really, because she's not wanted to pull on the front. Um, she's had she's had quite a few podiums, though, as well as wins, um, win, um, win rather for Women's World Tour. And it, and I feel like um, just a, just a little roll of the dice to the left or right, and they could be quite a bit further up. But I think they're going to be really happy with how they're going so far, anyway, because we haven't seen very much of Lizzie Diagnan this year. She hasn't been well. Um, her and Elisa Longo-Borghini were really the star act of 2020. And now we see you know, more breadth to that teamwork. And, and they've talked an awful lot about how well that team has gelled together. Ruth Winder in particular has just been phenomenal. And, and again, maybe her results not really doing justice to how well she's been riding. So I think Trek will be fairly happy with that. I think they could um, be... At the same time, justified in being a little bit disappointed because because they've been riding so well, um, but but there's been a great sign of greater teamwork in there. I tell you, one team I'm actually a little bit surprised by is SD Works. I would not have expected them to be so strong across the board at this stage in the season, and that sounds a bit ridiculous when, as we say, they're like the Brian Adams at the top of the charts for the last how many years? Um, but. We are looking at the changing of the guard there. You know, we're looking at Anna van der Breche leaving, not leaving, but leaving racing. Chantal van der Breche black as well. Um, but the younger riders coming through are just so encouraging. And also the way Ashley Momopasio has been performing in there. I just don't think I expected to see all of that quite so quickly um, and to see the strength of their phenomenal teamwork and tactics playing out in the road so, quick, so early in the season. So I'm actually weirdly a bit surprised by them. Well, you did mention the younger riders of SD Works, and we do actually have a an interview with one of those very riders, Anna Shackley. She's only 19 years old, and she's really had a phenomenal rise. She's really come from pretty much nowhere, and you got to speak to her, Richard. 
I'm delighted to to speak to a fellow Scot. Finally, um, there are <laughs> there, there aren't many. Uh, I've had to pretend that Flirty Mackay is Scottish just because her name sounds Scottish. But um, it, it does, <laughs> to be fair. That's true. Yeah, um, but Anna, I mean, you talk about sort of going in at the deep end. You know, you're you're still only 19, but you've you've signed up with uh, the the world's best team, and they've really kind of confirmed that this year. Um, or reconfirmed it, I should say. I mean, how have you ended up at SD Works and so soon in your career? Um, it all kind of just came about quite sudden. So I think last year, my, my coach, Emma Trott, when I was on Academy, and she's still my coach now, um, Danny got in contact with her, just asking for any potential riders to put forward. And she put me and a few others forward, and he looked at my power data and was interested and then it kind of went from there. But yeah, it was quite surreal. I mean, that that's the thing that, you know, with, with COVID last year, you know, you've, you've not been able to do very much racing at all, um, you know, in the last uh, in the last 18 months or so until this year. So was a big part of that, obviously, Emma's recommendation and the, the power data. Yeah, so I was quite nervous, actually, signing for a team when they hadn't even seen me race. Mm. And then after Worlds... It was a bit more of a relief because I did didn't do too badly at Worlds. So, I mean, you know, at what point in your in your short career so far did you think that you fancied becoming a professional rider and and really pursuing it as a career? Because you know you're still obviously quite new to the the sport. I think you you've worked with Neil McLeod, haven't you? Who I know well in in Glasgow um, on the track there. But um, you know, tell me about your your introduction to cycling and the point at which you realised you had you maybe had some talent for it. I wasn't very good as a junior or a first year junior and then second year junior I was on the Scotland programme. That was the first time I ever got, really got coached mm-hmm. and I started to actually do a little bit better in the races and then I got on GB and then after that I was like oh I could maybe make a career out of this. But I still didn't expect to ever be on a world tour team so soon. We're talking about, you know, not not far in the past here. How did you start cycling in the first place? So I started round about when I was six and my dad coached at Glasgow Riders and I just went along, started out with cyclocross races and then some mountain bike and then just kept carrying on with it and got into the track when I was about 10 as well, just going to all my club sessions and the Scottish cycling sessions. And so you've tried everything, but you know clearly the road is well is the road where your your heart lies. I know you're you know you're quite a light build, aren't you? So you're you're a good climber. Is that where you see your future? Yeah. So I always love road. I love training on the road as well. I did quite a bit of track, but I was never very good at team pursuit, so not much of a track rider. I go out training on the mountain bike a little bit as well, mm. and I'd like to get back into cross, but I feel like I need to practice a little bit for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, when you heard, when you first heard that a world tour team uh, was interested in signing, what what was your reaction? I was just a bit in disbelief. I kept thinking it wasn't happening until I'd actually signed the contract. Even then, after that, because we're still in lockdown, I still hadn't raced. It wasn't. It was mm. a bit like I didn't even know I was joining the team, and then well, I just felt a bit strange, and then. Uh, I think after Europeans, I met up with Danny and he gave me a bike as well. And it just kind of sunk in from there. And what was it like then going and meeting your new teammates? When did you meet them for the first time? 
there was a kit fitting in October during when the Ardennes were, and we went across and did that, and I met them there for like a brief few hours, and then I properly met them on team camp in Spain. What was that like? Which you know, good fun. Yeah, I mean, you've got you know Anna van der Breggen there, the the most obvious, but the, everywhere you look, there must be somebody who you've seen on TV and you know winning big yeah. races. What what was that like? I mean, were you somebody who growing up you know looked up to those riders yes yeah, so i always watched them race and then i remember um before spain the camps i got a message off anna just asking how i was and i was like this is quite surreal getting anna van der Breggen has my phone number <laughs> but yeah and then when you're on camp it's just it's weird because they're all so down to earth and like it's a really good atmosphere in the team and everyone's laughing and joking and yeah, you're picking up all the Dutch phrases and the Dutch English. <laughs> I mean, what how have they been with you? Because you you are very young, you know. You, you're stepping up, um, not you know. You're taking sort of probably three steps in one go here. Um, you know what? How have they made you feel welcome and, and helped and supported you in in these races as well? Yeah, so I've not had much experience racing in this as a team at all. Really, this is like my first year racing as a team. So obviously I have a lot to learn and they're really good with after the races, just giving me feedback and they're quite good in the fact that they don't expect me to be the best, obviously, straight away. It's very supportive, but also they don't treat me like I'm a child either, which is quite nice. And how have you found the race? I mean, you know, you've been very visible. I mean, the, the team has performed incredibly well. You know, what's it been like to be part of that and have you felt... Um, out of your depth or did you feel that you were able to contribute something at points bit of a mixture felt a little bit out of depth but then it's nice especially in flesh and Amstel when I was on the front and working to bring back the brakes you did feel a bit part of it even though we probably shouldn't have missed the brakes in the first place but it was all a bit of a learning experience and what I mean in, in terms of learning how to ride as, as a team where are you getting uh, instructions from are you taking instructions from riders in the race or from the team car yeah so a bit of mixture so the girls will we like obviously have a race plan before and they'll give the jobs out and then during the race they'll be on the radios if i need to get told to do something and then also danny in the car will be saying it as well and you've been involved in some pretty big successes already obviously flesh alone being the, the best example you know what what's that been like to uh, not just be riding these races for the first time, but be part of a winning team. Yeah, it's always nice to win, especially when Anna won for the seventh time, which is pretty amazing. It's It does just bring up the team spirit. And uh, yeah, you've got a two-year contract. I saw Danny Stam saying that, you know, he's already thinking that it could be extended by another two years. Um, that That must be incredibly exciting to feel that you're just at the start of, of, of this journey. Yeah, it is quite good. And then it allows you to think you don't have to be, like, do everything right in the first year. Like, the, Danny's made it clear that this year is about making mistakes and learning from them and just learning how to be a bike rider and getting all the experience. Well, you've got time, but one one thing that has been notable this year has been the you know, lots of different riders have won races for SD Works. They seem to be sharing sharing it around. Um, do you think you'll get a, a chance at some point this year or is it too soon? 
Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I think it might be a little bit too soon, seeing there's such good riders on the team. But who knows? Later in the year, I might get a little bit better. Don't know. That's Anna Shackley from SD Works, and it's quite interesting, actually, to see some of these younger riders coming through in women's racing because we're so used to it on the men's side of things, and we're so used to having new, fresh names to talk about all the time who then go on to win Grand Tours in their first season or whatnot. Um, but with women's racing we tend to see them developing much later. And I find it interesting this season to see some younger riders coming through and really showing such strong signs of promise amongst what is a really incredible peloton right now, I would say once in a generation peloton that we're we're privileged enough to be watching at the minute. Um, And Danique Hengeveld is one who's really stood out for me. I had actually put together a a sort of a rival um, table. We'd put together a table of um, the top riders of the season based on the same point system as you, Richard. And I'd done um, a rival one giving points for the crack factor. Um, You know, riders who sort of bring a little bit of joy and party. Rich is looking at me funny. Crack as in the (laughs) Irish crack. I feel like I'm getting closer to the motherland. So my Irish system is getting stronger. Um, So I was going to give Danique Hengeveld a wiener points, um, as we'd say back home, um, for her solo at... Held a price. Um, and, she, you know, she held a solo breakaway there until the final 10 kilometres. She's 18 years old. She is seasoned on the track, Dutch rider, but this is her first year in the pro ranks. If you remember back to stage one of the Healthy Aging Tours, she was swept up in the finale by Julian Dora, but had a phenomenal performance there. And I just think showing the, the promise that she is is absolutely incredible. She, she made it well, you know, well up. She's got a good lock of points in my crack factor table, that's for sure. And I think um, she's going to feature highly in that through the year. It's funny, when, when I saw a healthy ageing tour, the, the first thought was she looks great on a bike. You know, she's got a fantastic position. You can tell she's come from a, a European track background, I think. Um, I think. And uh, yeah, she was impressive looking. When I looked her up and saw she was only 18, um, definitely one to watch. Well, we've got... Uh... Moving on to our questions of feminine answer, someone who's been in the peloton a lot longer. She's actually been in the peloton for many, many years alongside riding mostly alongside Mariana Voss, Rihanna Marcus. And I would recommend, I don't know if you guys have checked out Rihanna Marcus's YouTube channel. She does mention it in this Tour de Riri, but it is sensational. Look at it. But it's properly... It is properly behind the scenes, properly, you know, you see see things that you would never, like if a team videographer wouldn't be allowed to film, like team meetings and on the bus and everything. So definitely go and check it out. And I think you really, everyone really will actually fall in love with her a little bit when they hear this. So questions and feminances, Rihanna Marcus. If you could win one race, which would it be? The race I would like to win, if I had to choose only one race, it would be for sure... Uh, I think you won't expect the answer, but the World Championship Stam Trail, actually. Um, it's for sure my favorite discipline, and yeah, that's actually the race where I'm dreaming of. Why did you want to be a professional cyclist? I became uh, a professional cyclist uh, actually because my dad was a cyclist and when I was young I always went with him to the races and that's how I started to uh, like the the sport and well I started as a young kid with the Rabadikke Band races for the Dutch people they know uh, it's like the kids races on normal bikes and yeah I started to uh, enjoy uh, like improving myself and I wanted to get better all the time and yeah that's actually where it all started and 
then I became um, like member of my club where I'm still a member and uh, yeah that's how it started and yeah now we're here. Who was your cycling hero growing up? Um, it's um, Fabian Conchelara and I really like him because um, he was when I was young he was uh, racing and uh, I always watched the time trials he was winning but also when he was in the road race he uh, attacked a lot and like most of the races he won solo and uh, yeah he was my uh, biggest hero and well still uh, actually a fan of him. <laughs> Where did you get your big break in cycling? Mm, it's a difficult question my big break in cycling I think the first three years as a, like, as a professional cyclist, I was riding with Park del Falkenberg and then I was still in school studying uh, to become a sport teacher. So I was, I was making a lot of hours um, in practicing sports, different ones. Um, and yeah, I had less time to ride my bike to train and stuff actually. So I think it's actually the year after when I went to Lift Plantour um, I got second in the stage in the Giro and and I had some other nice results in 2016 there. And I think actually that's where it all started. I finished school and, you know, I was actually still working besides cycling. But that's, I think, where it all, uh, like, started for me. What would your perfect day on the bike be? Um, well, last year I had a really nice day out on the bike. Um, I was together with uh, Amy Peters and Jip van der Bos, two friends of me. And um, yeah, we went for a gravel ride, uh, 160k in uh, summer, actually uh, like just after lockdown. And we did, yeah, it was a gravel ride. And um, while the weather was really good, we, um, we left the house at 6 a.m. in the morning, so uh, it was like a sunrise uh, uh, ride. And yeah, we had a really nice coffee stop on the way. And yeah, it was really uh, one of those days where you really can enjoy riding, you know, friends, nice weather, uh, adventure uh, routes and, and nice coffee break. Yeah. What was the last book you read? Um, the last book I read was Legacy from James Kerr. It's about uh, All Blacks. And uh, yeah, I really liked it actually. It's uh, a must read. <laughs> what would your dream job be if you weren't a cyclist? If I wasn't involved in cycling at all, I think uh, I would be a sport teacher or a coach. And if it can be something like cycling related, I think... Uh, Maybe I would work at my boyfriend's company. He has a, his own web shop and he's uh, selling uh, cycling socks. So uh, I really like uh, sometimes when I want to put my mind on something different than riding my bike. I go there to the office and uh, yeah, I'll try to help a bit. How many languages can you speak? I speak two languages, English, English Dutch and um, well, I know some words of uh, Spanish and Italian, but uh, to be honest, it's uh, not uh, so good, so. <laughs> Are you a morning person or a night person? I'm for sure a morning person. Um, yeah, just like it to wake up early and get the most important things done uh, as soon as possible in the morning. What is your favorite sport? Uh, 
um, difficult question because, like I said, I did a study to become a sport teacher. So I'm really into sports. Uh, my boyfriend is as well. So we go really, uh, like we try to go every year on winter sports so for snowboarding. And like we like uh, to try out a lot of sports actually, like uh, kite surfing or wave surfing. Um, yeah. We just really enjoy to practice a lot of uh, sports, actually. Do you have a nickname? My nickname is, I think, Tour de Riri <laughs> for my uh, YouTube channel. So uh, a lot of yeah, my closest friends call me Riri. And uh, yeah, I think Tour de Riri is the best one. <laughs> Most used app? Most used app is for sure Instagram. <laughs> I wish I had a different answer, but... <laughs> No, pretty addicted. <laughs> most famous person you've met? Pooh, most famous person. I met actually a lot of um, like famous uh, cyclists and stuff in the team with the men, but also with like the women and the sport directors we did in the team, but also like journalists, old cyclists. So it's a difficult one for me, but... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I should answer with Fabian Conchilara because I, I met him once at the bike expo. So maybe I should choose him. <laughs> What's the best advice you've ever been given? Happy riders, go faster. Well, Rose, before that, you mentioned uh, Raina Marcus's YouTube channel. And we it was terribly remiss of us in the last episode to not big up your new YouTube show, The Bunny Hop. A monthly show about women's racing. It's brilliant. And, I've, and I'm annoyed that we didn't mention it in the last episode because we spent a good maybe half an hour chatting beforehand to you about how brilliant it was and then totally forgot to give it a plug. <laughs> um, but well done. It's so wonderful to have proper intelligent debate um, because it's obviously really lacking in women's cycling. Um, yeah, I was going to say, you're not getting it here. <laughs> what we're aspiring to do and feeling, no, but, uh, you know, to be able to actually watch a show on it is brilliant and I'm really, really enjoying it. And also I'm really appreciating that so far they seem to be coming out before the Cycling Podcast Femina, so it becomes part of my research, which is very useful. Oh. <laughs> Refreshing the old memoir. Um, yeah, well done. Oh, well done. You. I'm really enjoying it. Yes, it's very it's very fresh and uh, um, it looks it looks great um, and it's it's great that you've been able to start something like this in these very peculiar times that we're living through and to see people out on their bikes and riding and you know out in the countryside has been nice as well. So I've enjoyed the first uh, two yes. episodes. No, it's it's been. I'm looking forward <laughs> yeah, to episode three. Yeah, it comes three. out yeah the end of. Uh... When are when are we I've getting on? When are all just just trying trying to Orcs, I have. I've not had my invite. No. <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. Oh, that's embarrassing. Uh, Moving yeah. on. I see. Next time I you're see. in, uh, next time you're uh. in London, Richard. But actually, uh, yeah, sure. Oh, if it coincides <laughs> yeah, with recording. What I, what I really like about it, Rose, yeah. is the oh is no, we're not recording how you keep that. Keep the caliber of guests really high, so you keep that bar really high. I think that's really important going yeah. forward. <laughs> 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 a very important <laughs> consideration. You're too camera shy, Richard. You can't uh, even. It's hard to even yeah, take a picture true. of you without you. No, I wouldn't say that. Um, but if anyone wants um, a signed picture to Richard, Ford, he's got a whole uh, stack of them. Uh, it's not the taking uh, the picture yeah. problem, with it giving them away. Go that far. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it. Uh, <laughs> 
It goes to the team printers. You know, you know the teams that get the little rider cards. More Richard goes and gets like a little discounted version from the same print work, I mean, workshop. I, yeah, it's it's fair to say I'm not as comfortable in front of the camera. I love how you as some make that people. sound like a dick. It's literally it's like a, a real bobs. <laughs> Your job, yeah, it's like a real bobs. <laughs> you love being on camera. You do paying the bills, working hard. Oh, you <laughs> get paid for it. What's that about? Oh, oh dear. Uh, you know, you know that I'm I'm jealous of that ability you have, Orla, to um, you know come to life when the camera's on That's you. Very it's, kind it's, of a, you. it's a great talent. I don't have that. I I go. I, I, I go you the, off, the other way you don't though you think you do you don't it's just a self-consciousness we've had this discussion before it's like when I we when have, I yeah. started writing it's that self-consciousness that comes with a medium that, that you're not used to if you want to hear an ex, a, a expanded ch- chat along these lines do subscribe to Friends of the Podcast uh, at thecyclingpodcast.com and listen to my conversation with Orla all about her career and life Beautiful in journalism plug. That was a good little plug there, un, un, unscripted. Well, we got plenty, well, plenty, you could have got that to listen to. Go and check out uh, The Bunny Hop, if you wish, on, on YouTube. And then we've got loads of racing until next time, Lo- loads of Spanish racing. But you guys going to be... Arriba, arriba! ...being either virtually or truly, actually, doing a tour of Italy. But there's lots of Spanish racing on the women's calendar to talk about. The Vuelta a Burgos, its first time featuring in the women's world tour so we're gonna see i wish you could see rose right now she's doing like flamenco hands the whole way through this i love it the whole time yeah i'm just forgetting that this isn't working in an audio (laughs) format and probably just sounds like what's going on she sounds like she's on a boat or something she sounds all wavy uh, yeah but we'll be back next month and it'll already be june can you believe it that's ridiculous next time we three meet again in thunder, we'll meet oh. again. Wow. And singing us don't out. Know All I don't know where. The mics will be drawing in. We'll Wait a minute. Meet again Richard needs to sing Happy Birthday to Science and Sport. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Science and Sport, SISCP 25. Happy birthday to you. Woo, you've got a beautiful voice, Richard. Don't hide that under a bushel again. That was lovely. Very tender, mm. a very moving Thank you. performance. It was very much yeah. more tender than your speaking voice. Very moving. <laughs> yeah. Less <laughs> buffaloistic, shall we say. Well, 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 I'll have to just say thank you and goodbye to you both. Thank you, Orla. Thank you very much. Th- it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Rose and Orla. And we look forward to the album, the Cycling Podcast Feminine album <laughs> that will be surely in the works by next month. For Christmas. We'll have that out for Christmas. Christmas specials. Us and Michael Bublé battling it out for the top of the charts. Mm-hmm.